the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There is a plan. That's right. There may actually be a plan to reopen the country and uh, get people back to living like normal human beings. At least according to a story in the Washington Post, uh, CDC and FEMA officials have worked on the public health response for at least the past week, according to this, and it's been discussed at the White House. And I have uh, some details of the plan here that should uh, interest everybody. Um, It says the version uh, obtained by the Post appears to be an early draft. It contains granular instructions. This is... uh, from the Daily Wire, it, 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 it uh, contains granular instructions for a phased reopening of institutions, and uh, there are um, there are different things uh, for different areas. Um, and there's three three uh, different uh, categories here: low mitigation communities where significant spread was never observed. Um, it starts. It starts, by the way, with a goal that communities can start to be reopened on May first. And a White House official told the Washington Post, "Quote: Beneath the bluster of the president saying May first, and he's in charge, and all the other things, there are real efforts to figure out how we could safely and actually do this. And there are uh, three categories, as I said: low mitigation. That would be communities where significant spread was never observed can reopen soon." I guess uh, the last couple of days I've been talking about some of our northern counties like uh, Jefferson County and Warren County and Potter County, uh, where I I gave you a list of five counties where there were 169,000 people, a population of 169,000 plus. And at the time, uh, those five counties, this was a couple of days ago, there were 12 identified cases of the coronavirus. So I guess they would qualify as low mitigation. Uh, 12 in five counties. That's a pretty wide area. Five counties is a lot of territory. And so it's 169,000 people, which is a decent number of people. But think about how much territory five counties cover. And then there's moderate mitigation. That's uh, former hotspots entering controlled recovery, limited mitigation communities observing an increased but contained transmission. And then there's significant mitigation, current or emerging hotspots. Hello, New York. Uh, moderate uh, mitigation communities showing signs of strained capacity. So I guess if, they're, if they have uh, issues with the hospital and enough equipment, ventilators, uh, ICU beds, that kind of stuff. Decisions on reopening are contingent upon, uh, these are some of the issues or some of the qualifications, I guess you would call them, Confidence that incidence of infection is genuinely low. Again, hello up there in Jefferson County, uh, where you had one person a couple of days ago. I think I think it went up to two who had the, had the virus uh, either yesterday or the day before. Yeah, it was, would have been. I think yesterday it went up to two, um, uh, and a population of I think thirty nine thousand. So, uh, incidence of infection genuinely low. I think those counties up there would qualify. Here in Washington County. Um, where I am uh, living, uh, have ha, do live, and where I'm doing the show from, um, they had the, I, the last I heard it was one death and uh, something like 66 um, or 60 or 70 um, incidents of uh, or identified uh, cases of coronavirus. That may be up over that, but uh, it's been pretty low here. Uh, so confidence that incidence of infection is genuinely low. That would be rural areas that I mentioned. A surveillance system that is well-functioning and capable of promptly detecting any increase in incidence. I don't know what that is. Um, I don't know what a, a surveillance system would be uh, what, that is well-functioning and capable of prom- promptly detecting any increase in the incidence. 
And the other is a public health system that is reacting robustly to all cases of COVID-19 and has surge capacity to react to an increase in incidence. So you got to have if you if you have a health system, uh, hospitals in your area that are equipped and prepared, then uh, you might be uh, getting back to normal a little sooner than someone or live somewhere where they don't have the, the uh, capacity. And the other is a health system that has the capacity in all respects, including inpatient beds, staffing, and other services to handle all cases, and that is in a position to rapidly scale up to deal with the surge in cases. So you hope you live in one of those areas, I guess, health system that has the capacity in all respects uh, and is a, in a position to rapidly scale up to deal with, with the surge uh, in cases. And then uh, there's the um, phase three. So when I move on to phase three, I'm kind of skipping phase two because it's kind of complicated. But anyway, um, phase three, staged reopening. This is what everybody's waiting for. Varies by local conditions, not before May 1st. So what's today? The 15th, right? Tax day. So two weeks, a little bit over two weeks. Uh, you have to. We're going to put up with this for another two weeks. Low mitigation locations first open. So um, that is, I guess, again, the further away you get from populated areas uh, up there in the northwest uh, counties that I mentioned. I hate to keep mentioning those, but uh, I mean, I think those are are good examples of um, what's been going on and and. I think if you're living in Jefferson County and you you know that like one or two people have the virus, you might wonder why you can't go to a restaurant. But uh, uh, apparently, uh, as of May 1st, if you have low mitigation locations, you'll be the first open. So if you live up there, maybe it's coming for you soon. Then there's moderate mitigation locations. Uh, That's a step down from significance to moderate mitigation or step up from low to moderate mitigation. So in other words, if you're in the in the middle between low and high, then you're you're uh, in the next stage of reopening. Significant mitigation communities remain in shelter in place until thresholds are met. That be you don't want to be living there. Uh, That means you're stuck in the house until um, they uh I guess let you out. I don't know. Uh, Continuous monitoring and mitigation adjustment, all communities. Now until the end of spread uh, or vaccine availability. That's kind of ominous sounding. Uh, Continuous monitoring and mitigation adjustment, all communities. That's um, that's if you're living in a a situation like that, you shouldn't be looking forward to opening up uh, on May 1st. But I just thought I'd uh, open up here by giving you those. details and so that there is actually a plan and uh, as i'm sitting here as far as i know donald trump could be on tv giving you the details but uh, i'm on the radio so i'm i'm going by what i have uh, seen here recently and uh that's where we are um that there's a plan to open but not before may 1st and it'll all be based on conditions where you live uh and if you live in new york city or new jersey or probably philadelphia or maybe even Allegheny County, you're not going to see things opening up as quickly as someone living in a, in a more rural area. Now, meanwhile, up in Michigan, uh, they're starting to get a little bit annoyed. Uh, the uh, governor up there is Gretchen Whitmer, and uh, she's, she's the one who said that they weren't allowed to buy seeds to plant food in their, uh, to plant, you know, to plant for food in their backyards, because that's, uh, I guess, not essential. But the lottery in Michigan, you can still go buy lottery tickets. Uh, there are people wondering about that. But uh, they are uh, starting to revolt in Michigan because the, I'm looking at a picture here of a gigantic traffic jam, something you haven't seen for a while, have you? But... Um, the thousands of cars descended on Lansing, Michigan today to bring the clear message that Michigan is still a free state and its citizens have not suddenly lost their constitu- constitutional rights because of a viral pandemic. And I'm telling you, the picture here, there are, it's a, it looks like rush hour on the Parkway West. So many cars are there. The biggest complaint most people in America have with the overreaching tyrannical edicts infecting our nation 
uh, is the lack of understanding that we are all adults and are perfectly capable of social distancing and taking precautions on our own without police, quote-unquote, help in the form of fines and tickets or arrests. The governors of blue states are gleeful with their newfound power to direct everyone's lives down to the most minuscule decisions, such as whether or not uh, you are allowed to plant a garden this spring. That's from Megan Fox of uh, the Daily Wire. But uh, the interesting part here is uh, just the picture. It's uh, and This being radio, you might have a little trouble seeing it, uh, but it's a big one. I mean, it's a big traffic jam. Lots and lots of cars uh, there in Lansing, Michigan, and they're upset. Now, I want to get to something else here. Um, this was on The View today. Um, you know, there's been uh, it's been revealed in the last few days, several days maybe, that um, the virus has been hitting um, blacks and Latinos more than whites at a much higher percentage um, than would be um, expected or, or maybe accepted in uh, based on the, the population level. That's it's much higher than it should be, and of course, Alexandria overrated Cortez would attribute it all to, guess what, racism. Here she is on The View today with Sonny Hostin. Congresswoman, you know, the Surgeon General suggested last week that African Americans and Latinos should step up and stop behaviors like drinking and smoking to help curb the spread of coronavirus in their communities. And I thought his comments reinforced the notion uh, that personal responsibility is to blame for the racial health disparity um, rather than systemic racism. What did you make of, of that? I completely agree. Um, it's it's so funny how this pandemic was when it was impacting when we when it was impacting the elderly, when it was impacting um, all sorts of people. We didn't talk about personal responsibility. We only started talking about uh, you know taking personal responsibility over contracting coronavirus uh, when we started talking about Black Americans contracting it at a higher rate. Um, obviously, there are certain things we can do to make sure that pre-existing conditions uh, don't exist, but ultimately, it's inequity that's the pre-existing condition. It's the inequality that's a pre-existing condition. And you can't just go to someone and tell them, hey, you should have had health care this whole time when you're working, you know, when you're working an hourly job and your employer doesn't give it to you. You know, a lot of these pre-existing conditions have to do with uh, the inability to access quality health care, the, inab the inability to afford quality health care, because we live in a country that continues to have a for profit um, health care system, unlike the rest of the developed world. And on top of that, you know, the Bronx, we have a mortality rate that is twice. We have a COVID coronavirus mortality rate that is twice the level of the rest of New York City. You know it's not a coincidence? The fact that the Bronx has one of the highest asthma rates in the United States. And that a lot of that has to do with environmental inequities that we that oftentimes just look at Flint, just look at Baltimore, just look at the Bronx, that public policy has polluted these communities, has poisoned air and poisoned our water. And that is what is creating uh, the large scale pre-existing conditions that are making our communities much more vulnerable than others. And so while, yes, you know, if you're smoking, you should consider to stop. And that goes for everybody. At the end of the day, that's not why there is such a high incidence of coronavirus that is impacting these communities disproportionately. It is systemic inequality. And we have to take responsibility for those inequities. And we have to make sure that we respond to it, not with a personal choice, but with public policy. Yeah, right. So it was, uh, it's climate change and all kinds of other things that you can blame, but not personal responsibility. That couldn't possibly be an issue. And um, it's all... It's uh, all the government's fault for not being big enough and not being controlling enough. One other thing, uh, as long as we're talking about AOC here, uh, she's a big fan of uh, emptying the prisons. 
Well, a Florida sheriff freed an inmate uh, over his uh, concerns about COVID-19. And guess what? This was down in Florida. And uh, Joseph Edward Williams was the guy's name. He's 26. He was let out because of that. And then he was arrested on Monday in Tampa on charges of second-degree murder in connection with a March 20th homicide. He also faces charges of felony firearm possession, heroin possession, and a a resisting arrest. Sounds like a guy who should be... I don't know, made to stay in prison, even if it might mean he might get a little sick in there. But that's uh, AOC. She wants this guy out on the street. We'll be right back. My friends, Dennis Prager here, and they're at it again. The left is doing their best to silence ideas they don't like. On the college campus, in social media, and at your place of work, if you dare think for yourself and say what you believe, the left will try to shut you down. I've experienced this, and you, your children, and your grandchildren will or already have. My friends, it is time to fight back and defend our values, and that is why I made the film No Safe Spaces. Hollywood doesn't want you to see this film, which is why, believe it or not, This is really amazing. You won't see it on Netflix or Amazon Prime. But now you can watch No Safe Spaces for a limited time at nosafespaces.com. It's time to fight back against the attack on free speech and protect our American values. In any event, it's just a great film. See No Safe Spaces starring Adam Carolla and me at nosafespaces.com. You're about to hear a commercial for a very unique mortgage team that has a very specific advantage that could save your family monthly and lifelong money. Two things you should know. One, we were started by a dad and his son and his wife and his sister-in-law, and we've grown to be a faith-focused mortgage team that's helping families across the U.S. We're faith and family at our core, and we don't hide it. Two, we've still stayed fairly small, on purpose. We're only about a couple dozen people, a makeup that we believe lets us truly know every person that calls. But we also have a big advantage. Our company is a direct lender which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, a reality that often allows us to get you a better rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Millville Park, Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. License in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. Thanks to Genesis 950, I can have guests in my home without the shame of pet stains and odors. Genesis 950 with water breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. All pet owners should have Genesis 950 on hand. I can even use it in my carpet cleaning machine. And it's green, so it's safe for my family and pets. Before you purchase new carpets, you must try Genesis Genesis 950. It's made in America. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for floors, bathrooms, kitchens, garages, oil and grease stains, wheels, tires, degreasing engines, and upholstery. It's available on Amazon. However, if you order a gallon direct at Genesis950.com, you'll receive a free spray bottle and discount using code SALEM. That's Genesis950.com. Genesis950.com. It's time to stand with Israel. Sebastian Gorka here, inviting you to register for a life-changing trip to Israel, December 2nd to 11th. Join me, my friend Mike Lindell, and hundreds of patriots on the Stand with Israel tour, a journey to the Holy Land to get first-hand insights into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Register today at sebgorka.com. On the Stand with Israel tour, history, culture, and faith will converge right before your eyes in a truly remarkable country. I'll take you behind the scenes to explore over 40 iconic sites during an all-inclusive 10-day tour this December. We'll pray at the ancient Western Wall, sail the picturesque Sea of Galilee, float on the Dead Sea, explore modern Tel Aviv, and much more. Best of all, we'll be together with like-minded supporters of the nation of Israel. Reserve your spot today and travel with me on the Stand with Israel tour. Visit Seb Gorka and click on the Israel banner. That's sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A.com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Hey, coming up after our next break, I'm going to be talking to a doctor uh, 
who will tell you what your chances are of seeing uh, s- sports uh, anytime soon played in front of fans. And uh, the news he has for you is not good, but we'll tell you about it. Uh, meanwhile, I want to uh, let you hear this in case you haven't heard it yet. This is Donald Trump yesterday at his briefing uh, with Brian Karam of Playboy magazine. Today, 600,000 cases, 25,000 deaths. I know you want to blame the WHO, but I've spoken to hundreds of people across the country in the last few weeks who say they still can't get tested and that uh, they aren't social distancing. because so they the saw, governors, wait, 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 yeah, yeah. So excuse me, they aren't, excuse me. I know, I know your question. You ready? The governors, the governors are supposed to do testing. It's up to the governors. Go ahead. The governors are doing the testing. It's now not up and it hasn't been up to the federal government. Go ahead. I told them when they put this guy here, it's nothing but trouble. He's a showboat. If you keep talking... I'll leave, and you can have it out with the rest of these people. If you keep talking, I'm going to leave, and you can have it out with them. Just a loud mouth. Yeah, he's uh, with Playboy magazine. Uh, not a magazine anymore, uh, but it's uh, an organization that is only there for pictures of naked women. At least it used to be. So I don't, I don't know how many people are paying attention to anything he's writing anyway. But anyway, uh, I want to also let you know that uh, John Carl of ABC has a book out. And it's, uh, it's called Front Row at the Trump Show. And in it, he kind of trashes Jim Acosta. He says, the president is waging a war on truth, helping to convince millions of Americans that real news is fake, that journalists are partisans and out to get him. Uh, But the truth is that the mainstream media coverage of Donald Trump is relentlessly and exhaustively negative. His accomplishments, and there are accomplishments, are either ignored or overshadowed by the drumbeat of outrage fueled by his own outrageous behavior. And then he goes on to say, talk about Acosta and say that uh, he's rude and that uh, he did, uh, he, he said, um, that uh, talked about him at a press conference. He said this was a press conference with more than 100 reporters present. At most, only uh, 10 or 15 were likely to be called on. But as the press conference was nearing its end, Acosta grew increasingly agitated that he had not been called on as Trump called on someone else. Your organization is terrible, Trump said. You are attacking our news organization. Can you give us a chance to ask a question, sir? Acosta responded. And this is what Carl had to say about that exchange. It was an embarrassing start. I thought the press corps, uh, uh, for the press corps and for the president-elect, I hated to hear Trump denounce CNN at a press conference. It was decidedly unpresidential. But Acosta was, in fact, rudely interrupting uh, a well-respected journalist who wanted to ask a serious question. So he's not a big fan of Jim Acosta. And then the last thing here about the media there's Chris Cuomo. Have you heard this? He's uh, he's uh, isolated because of the virus, and uh, he works for CNN, but he's not all that crazy about working for CNN. I don't want to spend my time doing things that I don't think va- are valuable enough to me personally. Like what? Well, I don't like what I do professionally, I've decided. I don't want some jack loser fat tire biker um to be able to pull over uh and get in my face and in my space and talk to me i don't want to hear it that matters to me more than making millions of dollars a year see when you've made millions of dollars a year for multiple years making millions of dollars per year tends to not be all that important to you or not as important to you Seems to happen a lot. He's got all the money he needs, and he's thinking, "Why am I putting up with this?" Maybe what he's, you know, thinking in the back of his mind is that he could be a vice presidential candidate for that guy in New York who happens to be his his brother and the governor of New York, Andrew. You know, Andrew. Wouldn't it be nice if uh, they ran together, the Cuomo brothers, uh, president and vice president? It could happen. Sorry to see, though, that Cuomo's not happy with his job. We'll be back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has announced state residents will be required to wear face coverings when they're out. The new mandate will require a mask or face covering on busy streets, public transit, or 
any situation where people cannot maintain six feet of social distancing. That mandate takes effect on Friday. California will give cash payments to immigrants living in the country illegally who have been hurt by the coronavirus. Governor Gavin Newsom announcing the state will use a mix of taxpayer dollars and charitable contributions to give up to 150,000 adults $500 each. Stocks closing lower on Wall Street as more signs emerge of the economic damage being caused by the coronavirus outbreak. The Dow fell 445 points today. The Nasdaq off 122 and the S&P dropped 62. This is SRN News. Do you have constipation with belly pain, straining and bloating that keeps coming back? Take the five-question gut check to see if it could be more than occasional constipation. It could be irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medication that treats IBS-C in adults. Linzess is not a laxative. It works differently. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor about whether Linzess is right for you. Go to Linzess.com to take the five-question gut check. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Jay Sekulow is here to explain the coronavirus bill. Yeah, one of the things we want to accomplish and, and really want to do here is we're spending a lot of time answering questions. Because the legislation can be confusing, and now it's in, it's going into effect, and people are starting to see the benefit of it. And there may be another one coming. We don't, you know, there may be a phase four here. There may need to be. So we want to make that as an available resource to our members from around the country that people are calling with needs. We're trying to, to answer those questions forthright. Jay Sekulow live weeknights at six at AM twelve fifty. The answer. I'm working in a job that I love. Because I was given a chance. To show that my disability is only one part of who I am. Who I am. Who I am. At work, it's what people can do that matters. For more information, visit whatcanyoudocampaign.org. When you've got water, fire, or smoke damage, there's no debate. You have to vote yellow. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Our team is ready to help 24 hours a day. The man, the yellow van. Service Master. Politics can be, well, dirty. That's one mess Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh can't clean up. But we've got you covered on everything else, from water damage to smoke and fire damage. The man, the yellow van, called Service Master. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job, it's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. If you haven't switched to Pure Talk USA, you're probably paying too much for your cell service. Pure Talk covers 99% of the country, and plans start at just $20 per line with no contract and a one-month risk-free guarantee. You've got nothing to lose. You can even keep your phone and your number. Get 50% off your first month when you call now. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code half off. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code half off. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. In Northview Heights, watch out for fire activity. Chicago Street at Mount Pleasant Road. Eastbound PA Turnpike, right lane construction between Beaver Valley and Cranberry. Turnpike is cashless only. Northbound 79 construction from 60 to Grand Avenue and southbound between Noblestown Road and 50. Pittsburgh City Parks are open. Playgrounds are closed. Social distancing is encouraged. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Rock. AM 1250. The answer. Weather. Snow and rain showers early tonight. Otherwise, remaining cloudy. Watch for slick spots late, low 27. Tomorrow, brisk and chilly. Clouds breaking for some sun, high 45. 
Cloudy and cold Friday from late morning on, perhaps mixing with a bit of snow at the start. High Friday, 42. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. You're listening to the John Staggerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we told you in the opening of the show that according to a story in the Washington Post, uh, FEMA and CDC actually have a plan that they've been talking about for uh, over a week or so, uh, and that would open parts of the country depending on conditions in individual areas on May 1st, but there was no mention of sports, and nobody seems to be willing to come up with a date uh, for when that can happen. There are lots of plans out there by the various leagues, but they don't involve fans being at the game. So what about games with fans? How long till we see that? Well, Zach Benny is an epidemiologist from Emory University who studies sports, and he's a staff writer for FootballOutsiders.com, and he joins us now. Zach, thanks for being here. John, thank you so much for having me. So uh, you were quoted in the Sports Illustrated story as saying that we won't have sporting events with fans without a vaccine. So uh, what's the best-case scenario, according to whatever, what you've seen up to this point, what's the best-case scenario for when that could happen, that we could have a vaccine? Yeah, so all of the experts that I speak with usually give uh, a median estimate of at least 18 months. So it's probably going to be a year and a half. And there are a few reasons for that, but basically it boils down to um, we need to have careful human trials that make sure that the vaccines don't have, uh, it, well, A, that they're safe, that they don't have any untoward uh, side effects, because we obviously don't want to give uh, people a vaccine that would do any damage to them. And then B, uh, we want to make sure that it actually does uh, help generate immunity because we don't want to give a vaccine that doesn't work. So, you know, this is the effort to develop a COVID-19 vaccine is unlike anything that we've seen in the history of the world, I would argue, in terms of the resources that are being put towards the development of this vaccine. But even then, I think people definitely need to prepare for it to take at least 18 months to develop and then manufacture and then certainly to uh, administer it to millions and millions of people in this country after that. Wow. That, that takes us through the uh, December uh, the, the 2021 football season without fans. As, and you don't think that can happen without a vaccine? I don't think it can happen without a vaccine. And it could take us through all of next football season or maybe partway into the football season. Uh, the reason that I don't think it can work is the more every time you add a person to an event, just epidemiologically speaking, it increases the risk in two ways. One is it adds another person who could bring the disease into the group. And the other is, uh, even if that person isn't infected, they have a chance to get infected and then spread it to other people. So the safest you can be is one person at home totally isolated, right? Two people is still mostly fine, but technically more dangerous than one. Ten is more dangerous than two. Five hundred is more dangerous than ten. Uh, when you start talking 50 or 70,000 people in a stadium, uh, even if there's only a few cases around, uh, that can get out of hand pretty quickly. Yeah, in the in that Sports Illustrated story where you were quoted, uh, there's a reference to a um, a biological bomb. Uh, that's what a doctor called a, a soccer match that uh, drew over forty thousand people in Italy, and uh, that doctor blamed a lot of Italy's problems on that. We all know how bad it's been there in that country. Uh, can you see that happening here now? If we would start filling up stadiums before a vaccine, would, would you be looking at multiple uh, biological bombs? Or are I mean, we past that point? I mean, no, I definitely don't think we can say we're past that point. I don't think we can say it would definitely happen, but we certainly can't say there's no risk either. It's always difficult to trace back, you know, a whole country's outbreak to a single event. But sporting events are one of the largest things that we do together as people. And so it has a really, really high risk uh, that, that sort of tracks along with that. So even if you only had a few cases in an area, if uh, if a large percentage of those cases end up at a sporting event and they have 50 to 100,000 people uh, that they could uh, spread the virus to, they obviously won't spread it to all of them. But even if they each spread it to five or six people, that's a way that things can quickly get out of hand and get beyond the capacity of our public health authorities to actually tamp down on. And then you could have these so-called super spreading 
uh, events, what that, that doctor in Italy referred to as a biological bomb. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to cause people to overly panic and be like, that's a certain thing that would happen. But it, it, to mm-hmm. me, it's not worth the risk. What about some of the plans being considered uh, by uh, the various leagues, uh, Major League Baseball games in Arizona with no fans, for example? How, how hard would that be uh, to pull off without the virus showing up and just blowing up the whole idea and being, you know, just they, they won't be able to finish a season? Yeah, so let me talk more generally for a minute uh, about all of these ideas. The key to bringing pro sports back, in my mind, is to contain the virus in a way that we only have a few new cases happening, that we basically slow it to a trickle. Right now, even though some areas of the country, uh, like New York, have plateaued and may uh, even be starting to come down, there are other areas of the country that are still on the upswing and at very high risk. So any area where you're having a sporting event needs to have very few cases kind of just coming out of the general population, right? And that will probably take several months to get to. But the lower that that kind of baseline risk level is, uh, the easier it is to bring sports back. If you are in the U.S. right now, that baseline level of risk is so high that you would need to do something like these quote-unquote biodome approaches where essentially Everybody, players, coaches, uh, referees, medical staff, broadcast staff, if everybody's staying in a hotel, the hotel staff would all have to be kept separate from their families in this kind of quarantine zone. You would have to isolate them and test them for two full weeks to make sure none of them had the virus and then move them very, very quickly into that quarantine zone and then have really strict security to ensure that uh, that no one else gets in and no one gets out without and re-going through that kind of two-week ramp-up period before we can let them back in, and you would have to disinfect all deliveries like food and stuff like that. It's not easy. A lot of people think, oh, well, you know, you just test everybody who's going in once and then you let them in immediately, or, you know, you scan their temperatures. You can't just do that because sometimes it takes the infection uh, a while to show itself. Sometimes uh, it doesn't come with any symptoms. So you have to be really, really careful about creating a very clean and closed system to start with. If you do that and you did it really uh, aggressively, then, you know, the odds of that blowing up, they're certainly there, but maybe you could get them down to a fairly low level. I couldn't speculate what that would be, but it could be done. If you're in an area with fewer cases that are just kind of appearing from the general population, then your baseline risk is lower. So maybe you can do kind of a softer quarantine where uh, the hotel staff isn't kept away from their families. They're just kind of tested aggressively along with everyone else. So it's, it's all on this continuum of how aggressive you need to be, which depends on the situation on the ground around you. And so what, what, hap- what blows that up? I mean, if you, let's say you, it sounds awfully uh, hard uh, to, to, it seems like it would be awfully hard to put that all together and get everybody doing it and being being consistent about it and, and as safe as they're supposed to be. So what if you have uh, a, a bunch of baseball teams uh, trying to do this, staying in the same hotel and all the things you described? What would it take to just blow the whole thing up? Uh, just a couple of people showing up with the virus? Uh, you know, if, would one, with, In other words, if my second baseman shows up with the coronavirus, what's that do to the rest of my infield? Yeah, so that de- that depends on a lot of things, uh, unfortunately. It depends on how often you're testing players. So if you catch the infection really early, uh, it might be that uh, the player hasn't had a lot of opportunities to transmit the virus to other people. So the earlier on you can catch that person and isolate them, uh, the better. But, you know, certainly you would want to proceed with caution because you really wouldn't want to let one person ruin the whole thing. Uh, So it depends on how aggressive you are when you do discover a case, how often you're testing, how much contact uh, these guys are having with each other. Obviously, with a sport like basketball or football, you can't, you know, you can't socially distance while you're playing. You can't stay six feet apart. That would be crazy. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's all to me more about getting that baseline risk, the risk of that infiltration being low, uh, but then also having a contingency plan for what happens if somebody does get in or if a fan sneaks past security or if a player or other uh, team official uh, sneaks out and then potentially gets infected and comes back in. That would also be a possibility. 
We're talking to Zach Benny. He's an epidemiologist from Emory University and also a uh, staff writer at footballoutsiders.com. There seems to have been some um, some good news about better methods of testing recently. Um, would, would the new developments make it any more feasible to, to do it without uh, fans uh, or, for that matter, make it maybe the timetable move up a little bit from what you're saying, the eight, uh, 12 to 18 months of when you could have fans? I don't think- Yes, uh, I don't think that better testing is going to impact whether we can have fans because it's all a risk-benefit trade-off. And I think there's a really good argument to be made for there being a lot of benefit to sports coming back uh, without fans. There's a psychological benefit. People feel like we're on the path back towards uh, normality, which is, you know, it's not going to be an instant thing. It's going to be very gradual. But believe me, I want sports back. I haven't missed an NFL weekend in 25 years uh, I love going to the bar with my dad every Sunday in the fall, so I want them back. Um, the added value of fans in the stands, I think that's a little more questionable, and it also adds a whole lot of risk because you're adding a whole lot of people. Now, testing, uh, the improvements that you mentioned, will definitely help bring back sports without fans uh, faster because uh, you need to have you need to have tests to test everybody uh, affiliated with a league, with Major League Baseball, if they're doing their biodome, for example. And you don't want to be taking those tests away from sick people, right? Nobody wants that. So ramping up the testing means that you won't be doing that. Um, you also need to have uh, a lot of tests in order to test uh, players over and over again. So the more that we can do that, the better off we'll be. And having more tests means we can identify cases in the general population more quickly and isolate them and keep that number of new cases low because they won't be able to spread the virus as easily. That's uh, speaking about so-called diagnostic tests, which are the thing where you get a swab way up your nose and they tell you whether you have the virus right now. Uh, Capacity on those is being ramped up. There are also antibody tests, uh, which are a little bit less frequent, but are also uh, getting ramped up, and there's a lot of studies going on with those. What antibody tests do is tell you if you had the disease in the past and if you might uh, have some immunity to it going forward. So certainly that uh, can mean a lot for opening up society in a whole lot of ways. It tells us uh, how many people uh, have had the virus. Uh, We're not expecting to be anywhere near where we need to be for so-called herd immunity, but uh, you know, antibody tests will actually give us the truth about that, and uh, and they'll certainly help bring back sports as well because they'll tell us how dangerous conditions really continue to be on the ground. And what about high school sports? Um, there are um, counties here, in, in entire counties in Pennsylvania, up in the northwest part of the state. Um, I, I looked it up, and this was just as, as recently as a couple of days ago. There were five counties with a population of 169,000 people, and they had uh, a total of 12 um, identified uh, cases of the coronavirus. Um, so what, 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 would they have to be on the same timetable as, you know, Allegheny County where Pittsburgh is or, you know, back east in Philadelphia or Harrisburg or around a higher population area? Yeah, so I think that's a really, really great question. And you bring up a really important point, John, which is that, a lot of people think there's one epidemic in the United States. There aren't. There are a whole lot of different ones in different stages. So uh, the epidemic in, for example, Washington and California, those states acted really early, and they've kept the epidemic and the number of cases fairly low. They're still in a really dangerous situation, but they've done a pretty good job. Then you've got New York City, which people are hearing a lot about. That uh, they had hopefully have kind of peaked and will soon be starting to see decreases uh, in the number of cases and have already seen decreases in the number of hospitalizations. Then you have other areas of the country, especially in the South and a lot of rural areas, where we're really afraid that we're still going to be on the upswing because the virus either uh, didn't arrive there until a little bit later or uh, hasn't spread quite as quickly. So could we have high school sports uh, in those areas? You know, It is important to consider the local conditions on the ground, but also a virus doesn't obey state borders or county borders or city borders. It doesn't care. All it wants to do is get into your lungs and make more copies of itself, and if it kills you, it kills you. That is the purposes. The virus is the entire purpose of its existence. So we need to keep that in mind, that, you know, the more we can work as a unit, 
the safer off we all will be. But that said, you will probably have different strategies that are appropriate for different areas of the country and maybe urban versus rural areas. And even though we only have a few cases in rural areas, it's possible that we could be uh, under testing. And so we probably haven't identified uh, a majority of the cases that are there. It's probably a pretty big underestimate. And you also need to think about the medical resources that are available in those areas because rural uh, medical systems are more easily overwhelmed in terms of having fewer ICU beds, fewer ventilators. So you really don't want to be in that in a county like that with even a few cases and you don't have a ventilator within 100 or 200 miles, right? Nobody wants that situation. So there are some advantages and some disadvantages to being uh, in a rural area. And I think we're just going to have to wait and see. But different approaches are going to be appropriate for different areas, I think. Hey, Zach, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you being here. I don't think you gave us too much good news, at least for people looking to see a, go to a ball game anytime soon. But I, I appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. I appreciate it, John. Thank you. I'm sorry I couldn't bring better news. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That's uh, Zach Benny, epidemiologist uh, from Emory University. We'll be right back. Well, we're all spending more time at home these days, but somehow the wind and the rain didn't get the memo about shelter in place. This is John Stoggerwald with some great news from Windows R Us Pittsburgh. They've been granted a waiver by the governor to handle any emergency repairs outside your home. If you've had damage to your roof, gutters, siding, or windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can still answer the call. And everything will be handled in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines to keep your family and their employees safe. You may be eligible for free repair or replacement with the area's premier exterior replacement company with over 50 years of home remodeling experience. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers for a no-pressure approach with no hidden fees and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry, a company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Do you want to get rid of your expensive landline, save money, but keep your important home telephone number? Then OurOldNumber.com has the perfect solution. OurOldNumber.com allows you to keep your home phone number and cancel that expensive landline connection. With OurOldNumber.com, calls from family and friends to your home phone number are answered by a personal greeting from you. The caller selects which family member they want to reach, and the call is immediately forwarded to that family member's cell phone. Your important home phone number is still your number. It's still in directory assistance, and no matter where you happen to be, you'll never miss a call. There's no equipment to buy. There's nothing to install. There are no long-term contracts, and it's only $9.99 per month. Best of all, OurOldNumber.com eliminates those annoying sales calls. Now, your home telephone number can be as mobile as you and your family are with OurOldNumber.com. Visit OurOldNumber.com to learn more and get started today. OurOldNumber.com If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. 
Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to bamboohr.com slash HR. This is a limited offer only available to radio listeners at bamboohr.com slash HR. That's bamboohr.com slash HR. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, now it's really getting annoying. Uh, in case you missed it, the uh, governor of Pennsylvania, by order of the uh, health uh, secretary, Rachel Levine, um, uh, they implemented new rules aimed at keeping the coronavirus from spreading in businesses open to in-person customers, including requiring they mandate employees and customers wear masks and take all employees' temperature if a worker has tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, and this uh, requires that businesses deny entry to customers who are not wearing a mask. So if you're headed out to the uh, supermarket, you're not getting in without a mask. Uh, if they do sell food and you don't have a mask, uh, in those cases, the businesses must provide an alternative method of pickup or delivery for individuals who do not have a facial covering. Uh, the order also requires businesses provide space for employees to have breaks and meals while maintaining a social distance, conduct meetings and training virtually, prohibit all non-essential visitors, and install shields or other barriers at checkout areas, or take other measures to ensure social distancing of customers from checkout personnel. Uh, it doesn't say how long we're going to have to do that, but uh, I don't know how long they think people are going to put up with this, but um, I I have a feeling that you're going to see more of what happened in Michigan. I told you about that a few minutes ago. If you missed it, they had a massive traffic jam in Lansing, uh, Michigan. The uh, people there fed up with the governor's one-size-fits-all mandates, uh, not being allowed to buy certain things, and she gets to pick what you're allowed to buy in the store and what you're not. Um, I don't know. We just had Zach Binney on. He's an epidemiologist, and uh, he made a lot of sense. He knows a lot more about this than I do, obviously, but um, I, I don't know. It just, uh, I, I just don't know how long people are going to put up with this. But, you know, what's next? Who knows? We'll tell you tomorrow, though. I'll be back. Same time, same station. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.